Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. So my family and I, we were moving back to the U.S. after about four years abroad, and so I was looking for a job. And I have had a career in education for many years, and so I found a school in the DFW area, and I was going to be the college counselor. And so I was very excited, right? The people I met were very kind. They were passionate about educating children. And so I was feeling comfortable about moving back home, making new friends, you know, kind of like finding my people. And so we're sitting there in the, uh, before school starts, right? When you learn all the rules, you go through the handbook. And, you know, I was nervous. I didn't know a lot of people and just kind of hoping things were going to go well. Administration is there and they're going through the handbook, the rules of how to behave for staff and teachers. And one of the rules was that there could be no conversation about pop culture. No TV, movies, video games. And now, I love all things pop culture. I find the lives of the rich and famous interesting. Like, I'm curious who's going where and doing what. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, but you guys know Kim and Kanye are breaking up right now, right? And we're just not going to talk about that at lunch? I'm like, okay, it's fine. I understand. That's the rule. No problem. And I kid you not, the next rule, the next thing that they tell us as staff that we are not to do is to use sarcasm. I'm sorry, what? Like, how do people know if you like them or not? Sarcasm is my love language. And I just was like, um, well, this is not how I expected this to go, right? This this isn't where I think I'm going to feel comfortable, and these are probably not going to be my people, right? And I actually left that job at Thanksgiving. Um, And, you know, there's some humor in the idea, but it was a loss. A loss, and it was a lot of unmet expectations. And I think that a lot of times we look up in our life and, you know, things are just not going the way they should, or at least not the way we think they should. And so in preparation for talking about grief and loss today, I was just trying to think through, like, what are some of the common denominators in loss? Or, you know, what are some things that we usually feel in grief? What is the root of that? And here's what I landed on, is that all loss includes some form of unmet expectations. And it's this disruption of how we thought things were going to go that prevents us from finding peace. You know, we come up against a loss, a job, a relationship, a death, an unmet expectation, and it's not unusual to then begin to feel like, well, things are just never going to be good again. I'm never going to experience a life without pain again. I'm not going to move forward, and there may never be peace again. And if loss is inevitable, which I think we would all agree it is, my question today is, is peace possible after a loss? Ben mentioned we're in week two, and so last week, Mark opened our series on grief. 
you know, and I feel like it's not a topic that we talk about a whole lot, especially not in church. And I don't really know why, but I thought, you know, well, maybe it's because sadness, crying, showing your emotions. We sometimes associate that with like a weakness or a lack of faith. Sometimes it just makes us uncomfortable and we don't want to engage. And so I think, you know, we're thinking about church, like, well, I can only go to church if I'm looking and feeling my best. I cannot show up there when I feel like I'm a mess. As Mark shared last week, grief is a result from a significant loss in our lives. It could be a death. It could be an unfulfilled dream, the loss of a career, the sting of a broken relationship. You know, when life just doesn't follow the path you were expecting. And when we experience loss, he told us we have two choices. We can ignore it or we can acknowledge it. And when we acknowledge our loss, we're taking our first step in our journey through grief. We're able to move forward towards a life of peace. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that if we're given the choice today, we would all prefer to live with peace. You know, when we ignore our grief, we forfeit peace. And an ungrieved loss can continue to show up in your life in a myriad of ways over the next months, years, sometimes decades. And so a step towards feast is, peace is first acknowledging our loss. And so today I'm going to just collectively assume that we all agree first step is acknowledge the loss. And today I want to talk about step two. And that is don't minimize your grief. Sometimes, rather than engage with our grief, we'd rather just minimize it, right? We try to pretend, well, you know, that loss wasn't really that big of a deal. It, it didn't really matter that much anyway. You know, there are people out there that have it way worse. Minimizing our loss means we cannot move towards peace. And if we're honest, it doesn't really work. The pain associated with that loss isn't minimized. The problems that result from that loss, the grief, those things aren't minimized. You know, we start saying things to ourselves like, well, I don't know, why is this bothering me so much? Or I shouldn't be this upset. I, I shouldn't be feeling this sad. And in my pastoral counseling, I find myself telling people quite often, you know what? You're right. This is not how it should be, right? You should have had a mother that loved you. You should have had a father that was safe for you. You should have had a spouse that was faithful to you. That list goes on and on. Our loss is sometimes a result of something shouldn't have happened. And we need to acknowledge those unmet expectations. And I see people minimizing their grief in another way. They compare it. We compare the perceived size of our loss to someone else's, and then we decide whether or not we should be grieving, or at least to what extent. For example, you lose a beloved pet, but your coworkers lost a grandparent. Or you lost a grandparent, your friend lost a parent. 
or you've gone through a hard breakup, but your sister's growing, going through a divorce. So there's a self-imposed hierarchy of grief. And based on that, we decide if something is worthy of grieving. But I think we need to change that internal dialogue. We don't need to decide if our loss deserves attention based on someone else's losses because someone else's pain and loss does not negate or confirm our loss. We've got to change our inner dialogue from, it's not that big of a deal, that's not how I should feel, just get over it, to this. My loss matters. Because here is the truth of loss. If it matters to you, then it matters. Whether it's a big loss or something small, whether people understand its significance or not, if it matters to you, then it matters. Regardless of the circumstances, whether you caused it or it's a result of things out of your control, if it matters to you, then it matters. Now, ideally, we would live in a world without grief, right? But as a Christian, I know the ripple effects of sin in our world produce pain and loss and grief because our world is not as it should be and it won't be until Jesus returns we're going to continue to encounter loss and that's probably not an, the encouraging message you showed up here to hear today so I want to talk to you though about what's true we want to base our lives in reality and we're going to experience loss but as a follower of Jesus we don't experience that loss without the promise of peace. In John 16, I'm encouraged. In my own faith, I'm strengthened in the promise of peace by the words of Jesus. Who knows pain? Who knows we're going to grieve? But he says this, John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. A relationship with Jesus means I can have peace in spite of my loss. He doesn't expect me to minimize it. He doesn't expect me to ignore it. So how do we not minimize our loss? We've acknowledged it, right? Step one. So the next thing to do is to sit with it. We have to acknowledge the emotions that it produces, anger, sadness, fear, rejection, all of those things that we're trying so hard to avoid. You have to give yourself the time and the space to grieve. You have to talk honestly with God about your feelings about it, the emotions that are boiling up, because guess what? He already knows them anyway, and he's waiting for you to talk to him about it. You can do other things as well. Maybe you want to journal your experiences. Maybe you want to join a support group. Talk to family, trusted friends about what you're going through. Meet with a pastor. Go to counseling. But you need to walk through your pain. And I understand the initial pain sometimes of loss, we need a little time by ourselves. And I think that's perfectly understandable but it can't be prolonged. 
That's detrimental to our grieving process. Prolonged isolation can prolong your pain. And grief is so complicated. It's so unique to every single person. And so I'm not standing here today and saying, here are the five surefire steps and then you've got grief taken care of. That's not what we're talking about today. But what I can tell you is that if it matters to you, it matters. God sees you. You don't have to minimize your loss. And if you're not a Christian, maybe you've experienced loss and that's actually caused you to think of God as like a cosmic killjoy, right? He's just up there waiting for you to make a mistake and bam, punishment, loss. But that's not who God is, not at all. He longs to comfort us in our loss and I know this from my own personal experience. I know from watching loved friends walk through their grief. I've seen God show up for them to comfort them. I read in scripture examples of fellow believers who have walked with Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about this. And in 1 Corinthians, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Because God loves you. He's for you. He wants to comfort you. He's not asking you to ignore to minimize your pain, you're important to God. He cares about your loss, and no matter how insignificant it might seem, because it matters to you, it matters to God. He wants you to live a peaceful life, and nowhere we promised of a life without pain. We can have a life of peace. When we acknowledge our loss, refuse to minimize, we take a step towards peace, and that's the life God wants for you. Look at these words of Jesus to his disciples in John. He's telling them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. God's our creator. He knows our innermost being. He knows our past. He knows our future. Your loss is not a surprise to him. And your pain is not ignored by him. And he's not up there saying, hey, suck it up, buttercup. Move on. He knows we're grieving and we're hurting, that we're longing for comfort. You're not alone in your pain because your heavenly father is with you. And he's there to bring you peace. And that peace and that comfort, it's for you, but it's also for others. Let's look again at the words of Paul, but first let me tell you a little bit more about Paul if you're not familiar with him. He is a man who at the beginning of his career caused great grief and loss among the Christians. He hunted them, he persecuted them, and then he murdered them. But he has this supernatural encounter with God and he becomes one of the most well-known Christians of the first century. 25% of the New Testament is attributed to Paul. But he didn't have an easy life. In fact, he was described as being short, bald, bow-legged with a unibrow. It's tough in high school, right? Paul himself references a thorn 
in his flesh, a suffering, a physical ailment that he dealt with and he begged God to take away many times and God never did. And he knew loss and pain and grief and not just because he caused it, but he experienced it. He wrote about it many times and we read that he was flogged, imprisoned, shipwrecked, starved, stoned, and yet... We read his words of praise and thanksgiving for the comfort he received through his faith in God. Remember, these are the words that we looked at just a few minutes ago. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And so he's gone through all of these things, all of this loss and pain and suffering and grief, physical scarring, ailments. And Paul tells us how to move forward how we find purpose in our losses. And he tells us, followers of Jesus, why God is comforted. He says, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Because God never wastes a hurt. We use our experiences of loss to comfort others. Do you think about right now in our world, How many people are hurting? People in our lives that are experiencing a loss, some kind every day, and losses that matter to them. And if it matters to them, it matters to God. I mean, we look around. It's not that hard to find loss. We are still, I think, in the thick of recovering from a worldwide pandemic, and there were a lot of losses. Many people are still dealing with them today. And meanwhile, pandemic, we also have our regularly scheduled losses, right? Things can be painful. But whether they were minor or major, they all matter. Every single one. Because if it matters to you, it matters. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if it matters to them, it matters to God. And if it matters to God, it should matter to us. Those of us that follow Jesus, we don't just get comforted. We're to comfort others. You know, people don't need us to come along and remind them, you know, well, that loss isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of life, right? I mean, they don't need us to minimize it by telling them, well, you know, it could have been worse. Or, you know, it's okay. You have eternity to look forward to. They need someone to come along and just say, you know what, I'm sorry. That loss matters. It's okay to feel sad or hurt. You don't have to minimize your pain around me. Because if it matters to you, then it matters. They need people to walk with them through the pain of their loss and on their journey of grief. I don't want you to hear today, though, that we're going on a journey of grief just to get to the end. As if there is an end. Right? It's not like, okay... Five steps, grief's done, disappeared, moving on. What I'm talking about is the pain we experience from loss, from becoming a point of reference, from a pain point to a point of reference. Right? We want to walk through those five steps. We want it to be clear and linear and easy. But that hasn't been my journey. I would say that my grief journey looks a lot more like this. 
ups and downs and lefts and rights and back and forth and just all over the place. I can remember right after my mom passed, memories, mentions of her, it was painful, a physical pain. And in fact, the first time I was driving around town and I saw something, I was like, oh, I got to call my mom and tell her. And then immediately remembering I couldn't. And it was like lightning. That pain hurt me. But now I'm, I'm six years in to this journey. And that pain has become a reference point. It marks time in my life before my mom with her, without her. But it's not lightning bolt pain. It's become a warm glow. I remember her, her memories. It brings me peace to think about her. And that's what I want for you. You know, I still grieve her loss. I'm still sad. But I moved towards peace. And I think it's important to know that grief and peace are not in opposition to one another. They can coexist. And I feel like in law, sometimes it, it, it's difficult. Like, you don't know really how to communicate exactly what you're feeling. And what I find helpful is to just hear from other people. I'm grateful for people who are brave to share their journey, to express their emotions, communicate how they feel. And I saw this clip of Andrew Garfield and he is talking about the grief he has after his mom has passed away. I found it very helpful to me and I thought it might help you. I know that you yourself uh, have suffered great grief mm. just recently mm -hmm. with the loss of your mother and I'm mm -hmm. sorry for your family's loss. Thank you. And I'm wondering how doing this show or any show, how art itself helps you deal with grief. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love talking about it, by the way. So if I cry, it's only like, mm. it's only a beautiful thing. This is all the unexpressed love, right? The grief that will remain with us, you know, until we pass because we didn't, we never get enough time with each other, right? Mm -hmm. um, no matter if someone lives till 60, 15 or, you know, 99. So I hope this grief stays with me because it's all the unexpressed love that I didn't get to to tell her, and I told her every day. We all, we, we all told her every day. She was the best of us. I hope this grief stays with me. It's all the unexpressed love I didn't get to tell her. I love it, he's opus, he's honest, and it's so powerful to share our grief, to encourage one another. You know, I think we don't necessarily want to engage with people this way because it's, it's uncomfortable. We don't know what to say in our small group this week. We were talking about all of this, um, sharing our losses, and my husband, Cameron, made a comment that when you hear people talking about grief, what to say, what not to say, that at least in our group, we have never heard someone say, you know, so-and-so said exactly the right thing to me when I was hurting. Usually it's this person said exactly the wrong thing, or can you believe they said this to me? And the consensus in our group was that it really isn't about the words. It's the act of being present with someone that's hurting that makes a difference. And actually, I don't think most of us really expect someone else to know the exact right thing to say, but they sure do appreciate 
the presence. But I do think in our humanness, some of you are still sitting there saying, yeah, but I still really want to know the right thing to say. And so what I've done is I've taken a little bit of information. This is from Dr. Caroline Leaf, some of my own experiences. And I do. I've come up with a list of things for you to say and not to say. So let's start with what not to say. When someone is hurting, here are some things we don't want to say. We do not want to tell them to calm down. You do not want to ask them, well, how long do you think it's going to be until you're over this? Tell them to just forget about or to say the words, it's God's plan. And please don't say any phrase that starts with the words, at least. Nothing good comes after that phrase. And so instead, what could you say? You could say, I'll sit with you. How can I help you? I'm sorry you're experiencing this. I'm here to listen when you're ready to talk. And how can I pray for you? Because it is possible to find peace after loss. When you acknowledge what is, you can grieve what should have been. And when you engage with your grief, you refuse to minimize it, you can start moving forward. And when you find comfort in God and you in turn comfort others in their grief, you experience peace. And you know, the next time you find yourself comparing your grief to someone else or you're telling yourself, ah, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't feel this bad or it's not that big of a deal or any of the ways that you minimize your grief and your loss, I want you to please stop and remind yourself that if it matters to you, it matters. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. He cares for you, and he wants you to live in peace. And I'd like to end today a little bit different than we normally do. Usually I would pray we would be dismissed. But instead of just me praying for you today, I'm going to lead us in a responsive prayer together. If you've been part of a liturgical congregation, you might be kind of familiar with this, but what's going to happen is I'm going to read a line, and then you collectively, as our congregation, will read the bolded line in response. And I'm going to ask you why we are going through this prayer is to think about the loss that maybe you're dealing with right now. Or maybe it's the loss of someone you love is dealing with right now. To make this prayer personal, to prayerfully make these requests to God. In feelings of loss and grief, in my time of fear and uncertainty, when I feel forgotten and unseen, when I need clarity and peace. When those around me are grieving and when those around me are lonely, when those around me need your comfort, God, who sees us in our grief, God, who gives hope, to the hopeless. And God, 
who desires peace for his children. Father, I am grateful to know that you are the God of comfort because there are times in our lives where the pain, the suffering, the loss, it just feels a little too much to bear. I thank you that you have promised to be with us, to comfort us, and to bring us peace. And I got, I got, I just, I ask that you would allow LifePoint to be a church of safety for people that are hurting, that we would be a people that look up and look around and say, hey, these people need us. That we would be willing to walk through difficult times to share in pain and to bring others peace because that's what you've done for us. I praise you for a morning that we can come together to hear your word, to sing about you, that you love us and care for us. I pray of protection over our people and the weather coming up this week and that God, you would be glorified in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.